This holiday season, AT&T is giving away $25,000 just for telling them what great LG products you want this year. Stop by a participating AT&T store and snap a selfie holding up the LG products you want to get, like the LG V20 with 5.7-inch HD display and direct TV app to watch live TV. Then share your selfie on Twitter or Instagram with hashtag Here's What I Want Sweeps or upload it to Here's What I Want Sweeps.com for a chance to win $25,000. No purchase necessary. Click the banner for rules and a list of participants stores. Can Rajon Rondo find a home in Sacramento? Will Ben McLemore continue starting? Is the Tasmanian Devil DeMarcus Cousins' spirit animal? The only question left is, say it with me sports fans, you win? Breakdown Podcast. I am pleased to bring on James Hamm, who is the Sacramento Kings insider for CSN Bay Area. So James, what's going on today? Oh, not a whole lot. How's it going, Coach Nick? Well, I was just uh, watching a whole bunch of the half-court field goals made by the Kings against the Clippers in Game 1. Was it pretty or was it not? Well, the one thing that's the one thing that stood out to me because you know you know what's amazing is when you watch a team make thirty field goals in a row, <laughs> hey, they seem pretty good. But yeah. um, here's the thing: I don't think I noticed uh, Rajon Rondo in hardly any of those plays. Yeah, it's a struggle. He's trying to find his way with this team early, and he hasn't had. I mean, he's had a great camp as far as he's in great shape. He's feeling healthy. Um, he's a, you know, sort of the leader on the floor and off the floor. He's been extremely vocal. He's trying to get this team specifically on the defensive end to really start talking. He's doing all of that, but at the same time, he hasn't really been able to get a shot. He hasn't really finished well. He hasn't had a big assist game, maybe one big assist game all through preseason. He isn't quite figuring out this team and the dynamic of Rudy Gay and DeMarcus Cousins yet. And he's also, you know, I kind of give him a little bit of leeway here uh, because I think the Kings are still unsettled at the two and at the four, and that's making his life a little more difficult. I I don't doubt it. I mean, I see when I was watching these plays, the first thing that jumped out at me was that it, it was still pretty stagnant, still pretty old school uh, you know, I'm not looking at, I, you know, I kind of quickly did it, so I didn't look at all the misses, which could have been some other special, fun offensive sets. Of but uh, I see a little bit of pistol action where they dribble pitch and then they inside ball screen, which is old school but kind of new these days. Um, so that was the thing. It's like, are, are we sort of stuck in this uh, Byron Scott era time warp with, uh, with George Carl? I don't think so. I think, you know, George Carl is, he's pushed the tempo the entire preseason. They ran with this, with an 18-second shot clock all through camp, and sometimes they even shaved a few seconds off of that. But what we saw in the opening quarter of, of opening night was a ridiculous, like, collapse of everything that you've been trained. Mm. And it, I think that's got to be really frustrating for a coach that you spend all this time but at the same time, the Kings hadn't played anyone except for themselves in 10 days. They had had this really strange preseason schedule where all of their games were together all at the beginning of, of camp. 
and then they had all this extra time together you know just as a team and you think well that's great they've got plenty of time to implement plays and everything else but really you're just playing against the same group of guys again and again and again you know their tendencies you know what to do to get around demarcus cousins or to get around uh costa kufos uh so all of these things you you kind of you have to look at the the entirety of what's happened i think it was really shocking in that first quarter to watch two shot clock violations in what the first like four or five minutes and you know especially when you're sitting here pushing the tempo all through training camp all of a sudden you just lose everything you throw everything out the window that you've been working on so this is it's a, a work in progress i mean the kings have nine new players and really it's 10 because eric moreland you know played two minutes total last year and had sh- shoulder surgery and didn't even practice with the team uh so so this is a new group that hasn't had time at all to gel on the court and it's gonna it's gonna take some patience I, I don't doubt it. And I think that people who are really optimistic in the Sacramento fandom might not necessarily take all that into consideration. I mean, 10 new players, let's just say 10. That, that's like, that's crazy. That is, you know, that's two-thirds of the team. Um, I don't expect anybody to be able to, to get that going quickly. Uh, you know, the funny thing about the, I, I read about the whole shot clock thing and how he sped it up and, and to get them to go faster. And it's, it's weird to me because part of me feels like the only thing that'll do was is force your team to, um, to jack up quick shots. Whereas to me, when you want them to go faster, you, even if it's like a, a half-court set that takes 12, 14 seconds, you want the individual players and the ball to be moving quickly. And I wonder if, do you think that is an area of concern while George Carl is trying to get him to play faster? You know, the one thing I did notice, I'll point this out, it's that they want to play faster and that's the ultimate goal, but they have Rondo and they have Collison as their two guards, and you couldn't have two more different players ever uh, as far as one position. You know, you have an offensive-minded guy who plays with incredible pace, and then you have, you know, sort of the methodical, old-school pass-first point guard. And so not only are you installing an offense and a pace, but you're doing it for two totally different types of players. So when you've got Rondo on the floor, he's going to use that entire 18 seconds because he's trying to find the best possible shot for his team. And when you've got Collison on the floor, he's flying around and he's finding open players in rhythm. And, and so these, the dynamic of this team is very odd and it's going to take some time, which, you know, again, I keep repeating, is going to take time. But I think a lot of it has to do with that as well. I mean, how, you know, if you even look at the, the center position, if, if the Kings lose DeMarcus Cousins and they drop in uh, Costa to fill his spot, you know, you can't run the ball through Costa for 25 points and, and 14 rebounds a night. That's not going to work. But that's really what they're trying to do at the point guard position when they switch out. And so, again, this is just, it's a dynamic that has to figure itself out. And eventually, I think it will. But will the Kings be too far behind by the time that happens? Will they still be even in a conversation? Um, And, and, I mean, you watch the tape from the Clippers game. The one thing I'll say is, no matter how poorly they played, the Clippers didn't pull away from them. And they actually took a, a fourth quarter lead with, you know, I think it was just like under four minutes remaining. So... How far away are they? I don't think anyone really knows. And if this team does click, 
all of those new pieces really fit to, together well, and it could be one of those sort of synergy moments where everything comes together and this team looks it goes from you know being a, a very questionable team to an exceptional team like very quickly. You know, that's interesting because, right, you, you see the little the little moments there, right? Rudy Gay, tough basket. You know, all of a sudden, Karan Butler being Karan Butler. Um, and you have Bellinelli, who is aggressive now and, like, looks like a starting kind of player. Um, yep. So I, I get it. I'm in. Kufa's coming off the bench. is a terrific, you know, backup center to, to play 22 minutes a game for you. So, I, I mean, I think the obvious, uh, you know, question is going to be, which is always the hardest thing, I feel like, for, for coaches – is who to play with whom, right? That, that five-man units you have to come up with. And, uh, I mean, it sounds like it, it's going to take George Carl, I would say, a quarter of the season before he starts to get even close to a regular rotation. Yeah, I would agree with you. Who plays with who is, is going to be the magic, the magic bean in this whole situation. I mean, when you really look at this team, they have so many nice fit players, you know, players that fit specifically into what they're doing or fit specifically with other players but they also have a couple of holes and i don't know if it's fully full-on holes uh that you could say in their roster or if they need to disguise a few guys until they figure out their game and i think that's one of the bigger things like the rotation as of right now you know rondo at the at the one macklemore at the two i don't know how long that's going to work out because if Macklemore doesn't snap out of his funk, you know, he's kind of in this malaise that he's joined a veteran team all of a sudden. And he went from a guy who started 82 games last year and, you know, he, he hasn't missed a game in his career. And of the 164 games, I think he started like 137 of them as a 22-year-old kid who really doesn't know what he's doing for the most part in, at the NBA level. So when all of a sudden you surround him with veterans and he's getting all this advice all the time, he's getting... You know, he's being challenged, clearly, because Darren Collison can play the two. Marco Bellinelli can play the two. James Anderson can play the two. So all of a sudden, he's got competition. There is no more backup. Nick Stauskas is your backup. This is <laughs> He's, you know, in a situation where he's in a dogfight for his life, and I don't know that he was mentally prepared to come in thinking that way. And the Kings gave him a start on opening night to, to keep his confidence up, but I don't know that that's going to help, and I don't know how long you can go with a player who has no confidence. So I expect either Collison or Bellinelli to find their way into the starting lineup. You know, they'll probably start with James Anderson, give him a, a short look as a three and D guy. But I think they're really going to have to be aggressive at that position. And if Mclemore's not the solution, clearly James Anderson isn't like a long-term starting. Uh, starting shooting guard on a on a good team so you're going to have to be aggressive on the trade market and that might mean that ben mclemore uh is shopped you know early in the season looking for a, a shooting guard that that can hold his own on a nightly basis really the the biggest issue it's not that ben mclemore is horrible it's that when you have ben mclemore and rondo in the same backcourt who is going to score uh, and, and then if you throw Willie Cauley-Stein at the four, which is probably what they're going to do on Friday night against the Lakers, now you've got three guys in the starting lineup who can't score. And so all of the, the defensive scheming that goes into a game is like, all right, well, this isn't hard. How do, we stop, how do we stop Cousins and Gay? And if we can stop Cousins and Gay and make that starting unit just look 
horrible in the first five minutes, which is what we saw on Monday night, I mean, on Wednesday night against the Clippers, then, you know, you have a confidence issue throughout the entire team. How do we get through this? So I expect adjustments to come quick. I, I don't think anyone is, is safe except for DeMarcus and Rudy. Uh, and, and that's it. I mean, everyone else's job is up for grabs. You know, Darren Collison pushed Rondo all through camp. And Collison has been, to, to date, Collison has been the better player. But what you're hoping is that the one-two punch of Collison and uh, and and Rondo will work, and the one-two punch of McLemore and uh, and Bellinelli will work, and the one-two punch of Gay and Caspi. So you have all of these options and all of these nice pieces that can fit together. the The real challenge for Carl is to figure out how quickly, you know, quickly how to get these guys playing together and rotations that make sense. Because right now I think there's a lot of rotations that don't make sense. And then some lineups that you look at and, you know, again, Rondo, Collison, Bellinelli, Gay, and Cousins is like basketball brilliance. I want to watch that all night long, every night. But you can't start your best five players. You can't go with your best five players for 48 minutes and hope it works out. So you have to move these guys around until they all fit together. I, I agree. Now, the one thing I found curious was that for eight minutes, they played Collison and Rondo together, and it didn't really work out that well. I mean, you know, in the small sample size, it was the net rating was negative, but um, it was interesting to see that they're going to obviously try and do whatever because Collison, throughout his whole career, seems to make a living out of, you know, he's sort of the point guard, like you mentioned, but he's also, he, he's played alongside CP3 in, in, uh, with, in L.A., and he seems to always, you know, they, they, that seems to be a thing they like to, like to try and push. So are we going to see a lot more of this, of this uh, pairing together on the court with Rondo and Collison? I think we're going to see tons of it. And I actually think it could be a starting backcourt. I don't know that it's like the best idea of all time, but when you look at, you know, teams like Phoenix, who's, who's gone to a two-guard, you know, backcourt, a two-point guard backcourt, I think it works. What I really like about Collison as a, as a two is that he's played the two plenty of times, you know, alongside Chris Paul it, with the Clippers. And he has a knack for that short porch three. I, you know, his numbers with the Clippers were so astronomical from the corner. And then his numbers even last year with the Kings were very good as an off-ball player. And so I, I do like what he can bring, and I do like them together. They do play at different paces, but at the same time, Rondo is a guy that if he's cutting through and, you know, sort of doing the, the dribble drive, the continuous dribble drive that he likes to do, he needs spacers. And Collison is probably the Kings, you know, second best option at as far as a shooter at that two-guard position. And so I, I really think that, that that tandem will play a lot together. They'll play, uh, you know, I, I think that we may even see, like, large stretches of the season where they may even start together. And really, Collison is is ready to explode in George Carl's system. He's absolutely, he's tailor-made for that system. Wow. Well, you know, you mentioned if McLemore is not going to cut it. And, uh, you know, it's, what's interesting about that is, obviously, I think he's a, I think he's a bit of a sensitive guy who can lose his confidence easily. Um, I had been in the Kings training camp before in practice and seen 
cousins go off on him for like the, the you know the most littlest nothing thing and have a tirade and you could see him just sort of stand there and shrink and his you know the bad the body language and the whole thing and no one seemed interested in stopping him from doing that or making them you know uh, just communicate like like real people um so i'm, I'm kind of worried about that myself because here's the thing with macklemore i really feel like he is terrific. He's got a beautiful jump shot. The mechanics are beautiful. Uh, he could easily be that Danny Green kind of guy that just knocks down threes. He's, back, he's probably a better athlete than Danny Green. Um, but let me ask you this. If he's not going to cut it, now is Bellinelli not on the table to be a starter? As of right now, Carl loves him as his, his bench guy. He's given him a green light to come off the bench and really be the primary scorer uh, alongside of Collison with that second unit. And he said repeatedly that everybody is, you know, in the starting line. You know, all of the players are are probably going to be looked at for starting positions, except for Bellinelli. He doesn't. He wants to use him specifically that way. The thing is, he loves Bellinelli. I mean, listening to Carl talk about Bellinelli is very strange. He compared him to Pistol Pete Maravich the other day. He said that. The Bellinelli has so much more to his game that anyone has seen. That he has a real craftiness to his game, uh, a real intelligence to his game that he wasn't allowed to show, you know, with with either Popovich or with Thibodeau. And that you know, if you let this kid go, he really he's got great handles. He plays off the screen just incredibly well. Uh, he's you know a great catch and shoot guy. He can create for himself. And then on top of that, everyone around Sacramento is like, this guy really isn't even that bad of a defender. We don't even have to totally disguise him. He's just not that bad of a defender. Maybe that's because he's played with great defensive coaches. But I don't think he's on the table right now as a starting, shoe guard, uh, as a starting shooting guard. Uh, but that may change. It may change. It, but you can't take Collison and bellinelli drop him in the starting lineup and then have your second unit be horrible because that's what's happened with sacramento over the last i don't know five or six years their second unit has just been absolutely dreadful yeah i agree i, I think that I, I don't like the backcourt pairing of collison and rondo for some reason it was, i watched a few minutes of it and i just don't like the way those two games mesh like with chris paul and him it, it seemed like it worked pretty well and collison could kind of be basically a shooting guard and then you know every once in a while let chris paul be a shooting guard but when Rondo doesn't have that ability uh, to be that role, it just, it just seemed like an odd fit. And so, you know, what I've already now started to see was that, without question, when they run Bellinelli off of a, of a pin down with DeMarcus Cousins and uh -huh. nobody else on that side, it's like you're gonna, there's, the defense will simply have to give up and say, well, we're going we're gonna to hope you miss <laughs> because yep. they're going to get a great shot either with Bellinelli curling and getting open or he can dump it off and then DeMarcus Cousins is going to get that shot. So uh, I, I see that. I, I have to imagine they're starting to uh, solidify a little bit of, of the actions that are going to work. Are there other things that you're seeing, little pairings of that kind of, kind of action that, uh, that, that caught your eye that uh, are other things that are, should be staples of the offense? Well, I really what you mentioned there about uh, Rondo and Collison. I'll, I'll say this too, just in their defense, that during camp they never played with each other; they played against each other the entire camp. Uh -huh. And I think that's one of the the issues when we talk about ten new players. Um, number one, the competition level for every single position on the floor, except for you know Cousins and and Gay, was wild. Everyone, everything was wide open. And so that doesn't exactly breed 
uh, like a good culture and a good <laughs> chemistry. Because what it does is it, is you're fighting it against each other, trying to get that starting spot, and then by the time you get there, now the guy that's not with you is a guy that you're going to have to rely on for something else. And I think it didn't help young players, but also, you know, it, it's the way you have to do it if you're George Carl. You're coming into a bad situation, a losing situation, and you're trying to change everything around really quickly. And you're hoping that once you get through all of that, then you can start focusing on building everyone together. As far as groups that work together and that don't work together, um, I, I think we're going to see a lot of Willie Cauley Stein with Rondo because he's the guy that jumps out of the building and Rondo's a guy who can really set him up by breaking down. He's sort of that guy that gets lost in an offense. People aren't really paying that much attention to him because you don't fear him. And I think he could very quickly become like a DeAndre Jordan type. Holy cow, he just keeps jumping out of the gym and dunking on us type of guy. And that might be a way that it opens up you know, other matchups. I really like what you talked about, Bellinelli and Cousins. I think that can be spectacular. The same with Collison and, and Cousins. I think those two together are just lightning in a bottle. They they really play off each other well. Uh, Collison is a guy who can take you off the dribble. He can pull up and, and beat you, and he can, you know, play on the on the wings as a set shooter. Um, I, I really he's so versatile as far as an offensive player and he can handle the ball and he can pass the ball and all that stuff too and he pushes the tempo but really his versatility as a player I think makes him a perfect fit for for not only George Carl's system but for DeMarcus Cousins as well and then you know Rudy Gay and DeMarcus Cousins they have they have played together for a couple of years now they know each other well and you know I'm Everything will center around DeMarcus Cousins because he should be your main cog. But uh, it's, you know, they're still, they're a good mixture. And especially with Gay expanding his range and hitting three-point shots, he was absolutely spectacular through the preseason from long range. And he actually finished last year very well uh, from long range. And then, you know... Yeah, really quickly about Rudy Gay, what's interesting was when I was at training camp a couple of years ago, right when he, after he got there, um, you know, it turned out that supposedly this is what they were telling me is in Toronto, they wanted him to play the four a lot. So he bulked up and he got, you know, his shoulders were much bigger. And it's funny because when you do that and you're a shooter, that could be an issue with, you know, the tension in your shoulders and being able to shoot. And he didn't shoot well, right? So what they were saying was they, they wanted him to slim down and get back to the way he used to be as a three. And, you know, one could argue that since then, he has shot much better like he we would normally expect from an, a former All-Star. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Gay, what I, I, I like about Gay is he actually has great post moves. He can actually play in the post. If I'm the Kings, there are stints where I would push Cousins out to the elbow or, or put him up top and let Gay work against, you know, players down in the post. I think he's mm-hmm. he's got exceptional length. He's like seven foot three wingspan. Absolutely <laughs> You know, and he's got great leaping ability. He he likes to shoot at the top of his of his leap. So you know, fully extended, it's nearly impossible to block a guy like that. And he's so quick that if you you know you sag off him a little bit, he'll just go right around you and dunk. So I think that you know, again, this is just going to take some time for this sort of this pot to simmer for these guys, the ingredients to to mix together and figure themselves out. And once they do, I, man, the Kings have a lot of talent and a lot of versatility. They can beat you in a lot of different ways. Like it's, I love, and I know Sam Carl loves it too, Rondo, Collison, Bellinelli. 
I think that's just a very fun and fast lineup. And then I, I really, you know, Caspi is a very underrated player. He's probably the best cherry picker in the game right now. He's he's fighting Kevin Martin for the, the cherry picking title. But he gets out and he runs and he's athletic and he's got a Euro step on his finish. And, you know, he's he can play. It's this team has a ton of talent. Oh, without question. Like, Caspi's the kind of guy that, you know, he's just solid, right? When I was watching, uh, you know, him then playing the scrimmages, his team would win no matter what. And that's the thing where I think you're talking about is that he just makes the plays you need him to make. And um, you're right. Like, when I was watching against the Clippers, you know, they, they were running. It was, it was slow and a bit stagnant, like you talked about. There wasn't any pace. But they were running some nice stuff and getting good shots. And I kept seeing, like, and there's that stretch when they cut it where up until that point, as they were scoring, you kept looking at the bottom of the screen, and then, you know, they were just letting the Clippers score every time. And yeah. that seemed to be the issue, that, which might still be the issue, which it might not even be offense we're talking about. Because like it sounds like what we've, we've come together here on is that there are a lot of possibilities for offense that like, they can do a myriad of different things. So now you've got to worry about, well, heck, we, you know, we, you know, we, we can't really outscore certain teams if we're really that bad on defense. So what are we going to do here? What are the pairings that we're going to see? What are the, what are the best, what's the best defensive lineup they can throw out there, do you think? Well, there's a lot of different lineups they can throw out there. Um, I do know that the lineup that, that we've talked about, the offensive genius lineup of Rondo, Collison, mm -hmm. Bellinelli, Gay, and Cousins, has been horrible defensively. So, yes, you're right. Um, I don't know why that is because I don't think individually they're, any of them are horrible defenders. I just don't think they haven't figured out a way to work together yet. And so that's going to be an issue. Now, I really like the the defensive presence of Collison at the lead guard because I think what he does I mean we've seen it him and Steph Curry he gives Steph Curry he gives Chris Paul fits because he initiates the defense way sooner than most guards and he's so quick and he jab steps you again and again and he kind of like he's an irritant but he also keeps you off balance and he's so quick that you can't just blow right by him he really recovers well. He doesn't overcommit. And so I, I like him as a defender. I do know that the Kings believe that James Anderson is their best wing defender, which is why he may get a start sooner than, rather than later because they're really worried about, you know, what Ben McLemore – if Ben McLemore is not engaged offensively, he's not engaged at all defensively. And then you have, you know, he kills you on both ends of the floor. Um, so if they can have James Anderson there playing the shooting guard position, he'll just be solid and won't hurt you. And his plus minuses have been exceptional. I mean, he's been, he's been killing it as far as like his influence on a game. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that's a really good defensive spot there. Uh, but the front line, see, I, I love this front line, the three-man big rotation of Cousins, Kufos, and Cauley Stein. You know, you didn't really get to see much of Cauley Stein in the opener. He, I think he only played a total of eight minutes. But, man, he is a game-changer defensively. And he just – he's so long. And the other thing that I was really surprised in preseason, he, he was a better rebounder than I thought he was. And on top of that, he didn't pick up fouls, which is really strange because he plays with, like, a reckless abandon that you very seldom see. And that reckless abandon didn't lead to fouls. He's – you know, very coordinated. He's very athletic. If he puts it all together, he has potential to be something special. It's just really strange to to be around him. And it's all through camp. It's something new. I mean, there was a point where 
he came in totally out of shape. And it was like, yeah, I probably should have worked out before and got ready for camp. My bad. It won't happen again. Uh, there was a time during pre-draft where he came in and he's all bulked up. And I'm like, man, you look huge. He goes, yeah, you know what? I've never lifted weights before. And I started lifting weights. And all of a sudden, I, I got so much bigger so fast. And then all of a sudden, I'm, you know, he raised his vert five inches in pre-draft. And five inches for a guy who's like seven foot tall with a nine foot three you know, uh, uh, I mean, as, yeah, a seven foot three wingspan. And I mean, his standing reaches, I think, nine three, nine four. You put a 42 inch vert on that guy, and he's grabbing the top of the backboard. Yeah. And so, but, but here we have, you know, as you play out every step of the way, there's something that he didn't ever do before. He told us the other day, I never watched film before. Like, wait, you do, what do you mean you've never watched film before? No, he's like, I keep looking over Rondo's shoulder, like, what is he watching? Oh, look at that. That's interesting. He's like, so I watched like 65 different clips today. And it's like, okay, so what were you doing at Kentucky for three years? And on top of that, he told us he's never watched the NBA at all. He's like, so the first like four or five days of camp, they're telling me to do this or do that. And, and I'm like, okay, I'm just following what they're telling me to do. And I have no idea why I'm doing it. But if they tell me to run here, I run there. If they tell me to go here, that's where I'm going. He's like, so I missed a day of practice because he tweaked an ankle and he was sitting there watching and the light bulb goes on. Oh, that's why they want me to do this. Or that's why they... he's like, so now I, I kind of have an understanding of why they were telling me all of these things early in camp, where to go and how to do it. He's like, but I didn't have like a basic understanding of why I was doing it. I was just kind of like a robot doing what I was told. Now I get it. Now I understand it. And the other thing he said is that, that the NBA game just plays to him. It plays to his strengths. Whatever you want out of a big man, a defensive-minded big man at the NBA level, he just happens to have naturally. And I, I think that that may sound like arrogant or strange, but really if you look at him, you look at his style, you look at what he did at Kentucky, you put it all together in one package, and he's right. What he does as a player naturally is something that NBA players dream of having the instincts just the natural like leaping ability his ability to his feet are incredible his agility is incredible these are things that you just can't find in a normal player and I think the Kings have really they found a perfect fit for DeMarcus Cousins long term there Absolutely. And, you know, I'm a huge Willie Cauley-Stein fan because of how you described him. And I think what it goes to is, you know, what, the, what they do and absolutely don't do at Kentucky uh, as coaches. And I've been really brutal on Coach Cal for a number of years. And I think what you just described was even more of, uh, uh, you know, uh, what, 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 a lack of coaching that goes down down there, which is really too bad. However, um, what's exciting about that is that as he starts to get it, and by the way, it does sound to me like he's one of those guys who just got really big and like they made him play basketball. I mean, he might not love basketball, right? He might have other interests. So, but when, it, when you're that good at it and you have that much ability, and maybe he will suddenly like, oh, okay, I get it. I know why. This is exciting. I will now work at this. I mean, I, I've seen his workouts, and you know what's funny is when you watch those, those workout videos, they never miss a shot. <laughs> so, but yeah. I watched him do it, and, like, you know, he's got a nice jump shot, and he could shot fake in one dribble. He could do some things. So you're thinking that they might go to that front line where he's basically the three? Maybe. I would love that. I mean, you know what? George Carl is the kind of guy that would do something like that, right? 
He might give it a shot, but again, when you look at the depth at the three, I mean, Karan Butler saw some court time in the opener. He's going to have a, a tough time finding court time anywhere. Um, you know, if, if things are going well, things weren't going well, so Carl was mixing matching. But, but finding a spot for him at the three, I mean, you got to be playing against, like, the biggest team of all time for, the, for that to be a need. I guess maybe <laughs> if, if Cleveland... Cleveland's the one team where, you know, I kind of want to see Willie Cauley-Stein go up against LeBron. And if you can go, you know, Kufos against uh, Mozgov and, and you can go Cousins against Love, I, I think that, to me, I just want to watch it. It might not really work out, but I at least would like to watch it. But, I, I, you know, again, what you mentioned about Cal, you know, when I'm sitting there listening to, to Cauley-Stein tell us these things, number one, he's too honest. He needs to figure out that honesty is a great policy, but you don't have to be as honest mm-hmm. and, and let it all out there because you do throw other people under the bus, unfortunately. But really, I, I kind of feel like, and don't take this the wrong way because he is a very, very bright kid, but I kind of feel like when Forrest Gump, the film, um, when Forrest Gump is on the Ed Sullivan show, I think it was, and John Lennon is, in, is on stage with him, mm-hmm. like I've, he just says things it, like you're sitting there, you know, he's like, they don't believe in God in Vietnam. And John Lennon's like, no religion. You know, that's what I'm like sitting there. Like, are you kidding me? No film study, no weights. Like, right. what are, what were you doing? You know? And uh, so it's just, this really, again, he's, he's such an interesting kid and I don't really buy the whole, he has other interest things. I think he's just a free spirit. And when he's directed the right way, he may really, really figure all of this out. And then if he, if he figures it all out, we're not talking just like he's a great defender. We're talking he could be a great player in general. And I think that's, again, is something that's so intriguing about him. Well, you know what's amazing is that we spent this whole time talking about the Kings and really didn't even talk about DeMarcus Cousins which means that we're going to have to do this again. And you have to come back on and we'll talk a little bit more in depth about what Boogie is doing because obviously the threes he's taking. Well, how about the one question I'll ask real quick. Is this a thing? Is, are, is he going to be shooting threes? Yes. Love he it. is. Uh, he's, a, he's actually a really good shooter. It was a nightmare for him in preseason. He didn't hit the broad side of a barn. Um, but, you know, four or five in the first game, he, he can really shoot. Uh, and the other thing we know about him is that he absolutely hates the Clippers. <laughs> I don't doubt it. I you know, he might, and if he hates the Clippers themselves, I can only imagine the depth of his, uh, his hate for Chris Paul. Yeah, the depth of hate there is, is you know, it's substantial. And, the other, and you know, it's, I don't think it's just Chris Paul, but that's probably the biggest one that he, that he can't stand. Um, man, if, if he can calm down on Saturday night and just play play a game without getting all emotional and getting, you know, squirrely. Uh, you know, I've said this on a couple of shows. The thing about Cousins is he's driven by anger and hatred, and I don't know why that is. It's, you know, it's just how he's wired, and I kind of feel for him at some point, at sometimes, because he doesn't know any better. He just, he's so emotional, and he's, he's just wired that way. Uh, but the things that make him average, you know, what he 24 and 13 last year, the things that made him put up 32 and 13 on opening night is the same thing that makes him turn the ball over eight times and get six fouls. There and is te- and technical fouls. Yeah. Yeah. There is no off switch. There is no, 
uh, big d dial to tone it down. He just has such a difficult time with that. And I hope that there's a moment in his life where the body chemistry says, okay, let's, like the rest of us who, you know, all of a sudden we start getting fat when we hit that age. I hope that, that at that moment where he he hits man maturity, that his, his, his brain allows him to slow down and enjoy what he's doing and, and, you know, live in the moment of being literally one of the top five players in the world at a sport. And, you know, again, we talk about Cauley Stein being having the ability. Cousins has all the ability in the world to be more than what he is right now. And that's really scary. And if the Kings can win, I think he'll start getting accolades. And I hope that that helps him and helps him find some peace. But Man, I just wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to live that way. I wouldn't. I, you know, yeah. the glass half half empty, half full thing, but all day long, every day of your of your waking being. That's tough. And yeah. you know, it's. I think we're lucky we get to see him play basketball. Um, but you know, he's gifted. He's really, really gifted. Well, you know, it's it's uh, it's too bad. As a coach, you know, we, we have techniques and we deal with that mental side, and it really uh, hasn't been the surface hasn't even been scratched to how to tap into that and help players like that. Because, like you said, I, I think he needs some help. I think guys like Rondo and even CP3 need help as well. Even though the argument tends to be, oh, that's that's what fuels him. That's why he plays so well. I think it's nonsense. I think that you can easily <laughs> channel that into a much more present in presence of mind and eliminate all the negative things that are happening. I mean, listen, I, I, this is a whole other show, but you know, we've seen it with CP three. He plays the same way. I'm not surprised that they don't, they butt heads and we've seen it melt cause meltdowns where they lose games and series because of yeah. it. And, and Carl um, is working so hard to, to try to teach him that very thing that I love your energy and your energy. I, I will never put a, a, a dampener on your energy, but I need to take your negative energy and make it positive. And that's there. Even Rondo is working with cousins on how to make the energy more positive. And, you know, Karan Butler's doing the same thing. He's having discussions. And even, you know, even in that first game, there was a point where cousins thought he got called for a foul and Butler had reached in and grabbed and then raised his hand, ran to the official and took it. And cousins is screaming and yelling. I talked to Butler about this yesterday. He walked over and said, Hey, big guy. I got you. I got you this time. You go sit over there and calm down. I got the foul. You just go play. That's what a veteran does. He goes over and he not only picks, he gets the foul transferred, but he also works with the player at the same time. It's just, you know, you figure five or six years in the league, he would, he would learn, but uh, he's had more coaches than that. So, you know, everyone, everyone's got a different idea of how to fix him. Uh, and at the end of the day, I think sometimes uh, God helps those who help themselves. That's true. Well, you've helped us quite a bit uh, on this podcast with all of your terrific information. So tell everybody, where do we find you on Twitter? Uh, let's see, Twitter, at James underscore Ham, which is H-A-M. Uh, that's where you can find me on Twitter. I, yeah. I also have a Facebook page. Yes. Tell us it. Where is it? Uh, you know what? It's, uh-oh. <laughs> it's it's it, it's a journalist account. Just look me up, James Ham. You'll see my personal account. You'll see a journalist account uh, that I have on Facebook. I could probably find that somewhere, but uh, yeah, I'm not good no at worries. Facebook. Uh, it's easy to find. Now, also, uh, tell us about CSN, and that's a new digs for you. So what are you doing for them uh, th this year? 
Yeah, I'm loving it. I am the CSN Kings Insider, uh, basically Comcast uh, Sports California. You'll find me on every telecast. I, I get to do some TV work, and then my writing is there, which has always been sort of what I, I'm known for is my writing on the Kings. Uh, I've covered them for five years, formerly with Cowbell Kingdom, um, but I have moved on to bigger and better things, and I, I'm loving it, doing doing the TV side, getting to... A little bit more access, a little bit more of everything. It's been a lot of fun. Well, it's great to hear. I remember we I, we went way back when, so it's been a great uh, progression to watch you get through and get there. So uh, I know I'm excited to see you pop up on my uh, my league pass on TV. So uh, thanks for coming on. You'll have to come on again, and we'll talk more boogie. Yeah, anytime, anytime. Boogie talk. It's always fun. <laughs> you got it. And don't forget, sports fans, at V-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? Are you in, James? I'm in. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your moves. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And with help from Albertsons, it doesn't have to be the most stressful. Stop in for great deals on holiday favorites so you can stretch your budget and celebrate more. Pick up fresh, boneless, skinless chicken breasts or thighs, just $1.59 a pound when you buy a value pack of three pounds or more. And get General Mills cereal 10.7 to 13 ounces, selected varieties, $1.57 when you buy two. Tastier meals, sweeter deals, happier holidays. Albertsons, it's just better.